Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, and welcome to the Morning Show podcast. In this episode, we're going to catch up with play school favourite Alex Paps as he joins Humpty, uh, Little Ted, and the whole gang on tour. Plus, our finance editor breaks down the brave new world of cryptocurrency. What do you know about it? And Australian Idol winner Damien Leith joins us with his very talented daughter, Kiki. Wait till you hear her. But first, Andrew McCarthy's best known for his roles in 80s hits like Pretty in Pink, St Elmo's Fire, one of my favourite movies, and Weekend at Bernie's. Now the big screen heartthrob is giving the world a peek behind the superstar curtain with a brand new memoir. If you're a teen in the 80s, chances are you're in love with a member of the Bright Pack. Emilio Estevez, Demi Moore, Rob Lowe, Molly Ringwald. They were the titans of Tinseltown, but it was breakout star Andrew McCarthy that had millions of girls swooning. With appearances in cult classics Pretty in Pink, St Elmo's Fire, Weekend at Bernie's and Mannequin, the heartthrob was destined for superstar status. Now in his new book, the actor, director and author recounts his rise in Hollywood and the temptations that nearly cost him his career. And Andrew McCarthy joins us live from New York. (laughs) The 80s were an incredible decade for movies, of course. Give us a snapshot of what life looked like for you back then. Well, I think the clip you just showed of Pretty in Pink where I tell Molly that I love her at the end. I may look particularly forlorn there. It's because I'm really wearing this really bad wig because we had to reshoot the ending of that movie. And so I I had a shaved head at the time we reshot it. So I had this really sad wig on the top of my head and gave me a very forlorn look. So a lot of bad wig acting right there. But uh, the 80s, look, it it was a wondrous, crazy kind of time that... You know, when you're in the middle of it, you don't even know what's going on, kind of. It just seems sort of normal in some weird way. And on the other hand, it seemed totally sort of like on a runaway train. Were you ever OK with the term Brat Pack? I mean, your new book that's out is called Brat. But are you OK with the term Brat Pack? Yeah, I've grown to love it. I've grown to actually love it. I, I, when it first came out, when it was first sort of leveled back in 1985, <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> It was, uh, I think, a real pejorative kind of negative term, or I perceived it that way, and I know a lot of uh, a lot of the guys did. And I think in the movie industry and in the media, it was kind of a negative term. But I think what I didn't understand at the time was how the public just sort of instantly took that as an affectionate kind of moniker to be like, oh, my God, they're the ultimate in-gang, and I want to be a part of that, you know? And it took me through decades, really, to to realize that. But I, very much at the beginning, I recoiled from that. I mean, who wants to be called a brat? Who wants to be sort of labeled? The minute you label something, you're kind of 
done trying to understand it, you know, and it's just like, oh, I know what that is. And nobody likes that as a person or as an actor, particularly, you don't want to be that. So I think it took me a long time to kind of come to terms with it. The chemistry was obvious on screen, but do you still stay in touch with the others? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I guess, for a number of years. I lived in New York, a lot of them live in L.A. and that kind of thing. And, you know, you move on in life. I became a travel writer, director, and, you know, you have kids and a family. And so, but then... I'd say the older you get, you kind of come to terms with that. And, and so I've seen a lot more of the guys than I used to. I, I just talked to Rob last week on his podcast, and we were just sort of reliving back in the day and having this, I mean, a great laugh. I mean, I, I realized how much affection I had for Rob. That, you, you know, and, and we were just a group of people that shared this very sort of unique moment in time together, and no one else knew what that felt like. So to be able to sort of communicate that and just have this sort of, secret club where i'd say we're more the brat pack now than we were at that time you know because we've all sort of been through it together and we all know how it affected our lives and yeah. what we took from yeah and you know what as a fan it's it warms our heart to to know that you guys still speak to each other and you're still friends let's talk about I the book texting with molly yesterday actually oh wow oh, that's, so, that's so fabulous <laughs> In your new book, you talk openly about substance abuse and, be and becoming sober. Why was it important for you to talk about that? Well, I mean, it was just part of the story of my my time in the 80s. You know, I, I thought if I was going to write this book, and one of the reasons I wrote it was to kind of come to terms with all of what happened. And if you're going to share this stuff with people, you have to sort of, if you're going to ask people for their time, you have to sort of come clean and, and share who you are. Otherwise, it's just telling a bunch of stories and in a few minutes, who cares? You know, so you're really trying to form a connection, I guess, with the reader. And so it was very much a part of what happened to me during that time. You know, I was drinking in a parallel time that I was being in the movies. I don't think the movies caused me to start drinking. I mean, a lot of times people would say, oh, you got success too young and so you drank. And I'm like, no, I drank because I really loved vodka. And, <laughs> you know, and that was the case. And it certainly affected my career adversity and stuff. But it was all part of the, the stew of that time. And so to leave it out it sort of felt would have been disingenuous. It's great to hear the honesty in the book. There's also this little story about you approaching a young pixie-haired Courtney Cox. Tell us about that. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm afraid there's not too much in that story. Um, uh, I just saw this pretty girl at a party, and I remember it in the, the clip you're just showing, I, I remember going, wait, that's the girl in the Bruce Springsteen video. And I love Bruce. I'm from New Jersey, so I love Bruce Springsteen. And so I went over to try and chat her up and use all my pretty and pink charm on her, and... She was just not having any of it. <laughs> <She couldn't. laughs> oh, more fool Courtney. Now, I'm going to rattle off a few names here. Orange is the New Black, Gossip Girl, Grace and Frankie, which is just an awesome TV show. You, you've carved out a really impressive career behind the lens as a director, which probably a lot of people may not know that about you. So how do you find flipping between being in front of the camera and being behind? Oh, I, I quite like um, directing. I mean, I have all the actor neuroses there are, so I, I'm, I can easily recognize them in actors. So, and they sort of see me as a kindred spirit. And uh, I, I quite like directing, although it's a bit like the grass is always greener. When I'm directing, I wish I was acting. When I'm acting, I go, oh, God, this director is terrible. And so uh, I just started acting again recently. I hadn't acted in a number of years, and I just was on a show that I direct called Good Girls. And it was really fun to act again. I realized that there was sort of ease with it that I hadn't had when I was younger. So that was quite fun. Oh, but I do love doing 
I love directing. I think it's fun to sort of try and create the whole thing. Oh, I loved Good Girls too. Andrew, looking back on your career and, and I guess the process of writing the book, would you have changed anything, taken a role that you said no to or the other way around? You know, people always ask me that, and I always wish I had. Oh, I wish I was in that movie. Uh, no, <laughs> I can't think of a single movie that I saw and, and that I turned down, or, you know, it just wasn't like that in that time. Uh, so, no, I mean, you know, I, I think if I look back on it, honestly, I probably would have told myself that you could afford to believe in yourself a little more than I did. Uh, but, uh, but who would, you know, we could all give that advice to our younger selves, I think. But I think that was part of the charm, and I think that's what came across on screen and I think that's probably why you were so successful. Mm. You are a writer as well, an award-winning travel writer, so we know that this book is going to be a really great read because you're a great writer as well. Andrew's new book is called Brat, an 80s story, and it is out now. Thanks so much, Andrew. Great to chat to you. Uh, thank you, guys. Good to be with you. When it comes to cricketing legends, they don't get much bigger than Glenn McGrath. The 51-year-old dominated the game, taking a huge 563 test wickets. Since retiring 15 years ago, Glenn has kept very busy as the president and co-founder of the McGrath Foundation. But last year, in the middle of the global pandemic, he decided to become even busier and start a new business. Outback by Air sees Slitty Slickers take to the skies in a private plane, heading out to some of the small towns across Australia that are often forgotten. Glenn McGrath joins us live. Hi, Glenn. Hi, guys. Yeah, Hi. Great to this be. is a great idea. How'd you come up with it? Yeah, so a good mate of mine, Phil Hines, from down at Cootamundra. You know, he's a pilot. He uh, used to fly tours uh, when he was younger and just yeah. thought this would be a great way for people to come out and experience what Australia has. He mentioned it to me and... You know, I love the Outback, I love my flying, and you know, I thought it was a great fit, and uh, here we are. So, uh, no, things are coming along quite well. That's great. You grew up in the country. I mean, yep. obviously spent a bit of time in the big smoke in your cricket career, but how important is it to support local businesses in the rural areas as well? Oh, very important. And with COVID, and, you know, even with... We were in Burrsville the other day on one of our tours, and just what they're doing there just to get through because they don't have the seasonal workers and everything mm. else. So, yeah, things are tough in the bush, but, you know, I think it's an amazing lifestyle. Australia has some incredible landscapes, and to get out there and to see it from the air and do things which would probably take, you know... One, two or three months to travel around, we can do in a week to two weeks is, uh, I think, the way to do it. With okay, this has some appeal, I would reckon, with your followers. An <laughs> outback pub crawl yep. by plane. Okay, that yeah. sounds fun. Uh, that's uh, one of our most popular tours <laughs> no so No kidding. The pilot, <laughs> doesn't, the pilot doesn't drink. <laughs> no, no, so it's about... So we do ten uh, outback pubs in five days. Um, so wow. you get out there and it's not about going and just getting on it. It's getting there, experience what that... You know, the area, what the pub, some of these unique places from Inaminka to Udnadatta, really tiny places, mm. William Creek, Birdsville, Tilpa, mm. Tipperborough. So a lot of these places uh, are just incredible and, and just the characters you meet in these places too mm. uh, are very special. So, you know, to get out there in five days and, you know, travel around and check these places mm. out, mm. it's an you know, amazing experience. Another great silver lining of the, the pandemic, yeah, sure. being able to introduce... Aussies to real Australia. It's so yeah. good. Um, now, speaking of flying, mm. you're getting your helicopter licence. You yeah, partway it's, through. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing it for quite some time now, and, and life kept get, kept getting in the way. So I was probably about a week away from uh, from finishing. It's only my private licence at the moment, so I won't be flying any any tours. I'll leave uh, that to my uh, to business partner to be flying the plane. But uh, good yeah, to know. So, yeah. Good to know. And is it true that the in-flight entertainment? 
uh, for the people on board is actually a, a DVD compilation of all your best wickets. Oh, I like that. <laughs> is, is that crazy? Are you making them sit down? Well, uh, well each flight's maximum of two and a half hours. How much can oh. you show in that time? But, um, but, yeah, so that's something we can definitely check well, out. We can and, work on that. Yeah, we've got one of our tours coming up, uh, the Outback Discovery, which yeah. is uh, seven, seven days, six nights, uh, going to some amazing places from Longreach to Birdsville, William Creek and others. And uh, any of the listeners, if they you know, mm. want a book before the end of March, uh, end of May, mm. if they type in the promo code Outback Glen with two ends, <laughs> one word, um, we'll give them a thousand dollars off. So look, Ooh, these okay. little incentives there, apart from maybe getting some yeah, footage of uh, Here we are. a bit Back of batting footage maybe too. Number 500 again? <laughs> Come on. Um, now let's talk a bit of cricket because yeah. unfortunately the ball tampering incident that happened in South, uh, South Africa in 2018 has reared mm. its ugly head again. Cameron Bancroft has indicated mm. that other bowlers mm. during that test match knew about the ball tampering in South Africa. They've all denied it of course mm. but in your experience mm. how hard is it for a bowler to realise that a ball has been tampered with? Oh, well, you know, the umpires did look at the ball too and didn't, you know, they didn't change it. So mm. who knows what the state it was. I wasn't there and, you know, two years ago or whatever it is, you know, it's a, we've got an Ashes series coming up. Amazing how mm. the English press have brought that up just before a big Ashes series. So, you know, I, I like to think that's all in the past and just, OK, now we, let's just get on. The boys have served their time. They learnt a massive, uh, you know, from that experience and it's time to sort of focus on what's coming up. Will it continue to have a an impact on the culture of the team, do you think? Uh, we'll see what at the start of the Ashes series. I'm sure a few of the journalists will be looking to sort of play it up a bit. But, you know, I think the boys have uh, learnt their lesson. They've moved on. They're, they're a great unit at the moment. They're playing some good cricket. And I think that's all in the past. And, mm. you know, they've uh, learned a massive lesson from their mistakes there. And it's, it's time to focus and look forward. As we like to say at Outback by Air, blue skies ahead. Exactly right. <laughs> <Blue> exactly. <laughs> Outback Glen with two ends is your code. No, no gap. For more information about Outback by Air, head to themorningshow.com.au. Good to see you, Glenn. No, you Great too, guys. to have you with us. Thank you. Well, since winning X Factor nearly a decade ago, Samantha Jade has topped the charts with hits like What You've Done To Me, Firestarter, and of course, this track. <laughs> Well, Sammy loves her music. There's another passion of hers, and that's the Salvation Army. For the last six years, she's been a proud ambassador for the Salvos, and now she's asking for your help in this year's Red Shield Appeal. Samantha J joins us live. Uh, let's get straight into this the Red Shield Appeal. It's it's come around again. Yes. How much? What's the target this year? So 32 million by the end of June is the target. Um, this is the 56th Red Shield Appeal. So I started working with the Salvos when it was the 50th. Right. So mm. it's and I. I just love what the Salvos do. I used to just kind of stand at carols and, you know, you hold the little thing mm. and you say, please donate. And mm -hmm. I just never felt like that was enough. That's not actually doing the work. And so I've um, been so lucky to actually go and see what they actually do mm. with these donations. And they really, really do help so many people. They, they do such incredible work work. Uh, how yes. can people get involved? They've had to sort of pivot a bit, haven't they? Had to innovate? Yeah, listen, yeah. like COVID's obviously yeah, changed yeah, a lot yeah. for a lot of us. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're doing a lot of Zooms and things like that now. Um, so basically, it's, it's mostly online. Yes. You know, digital kind of door knock this time. But it's easy. Go onto the website, call um, 13 Salvos, and you can just give and you can definitely know that they're actually doing something with the money. I think, I think that's people's um, concern in a lot of 
charities and a lot of things. And I can really sit here and say that I've seen the work be done. Mm. Uh, well, I think we've got some vision of you in Adelaide oh, recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, this is the, one of the Hope Mission trips. Uh, yes. Talk us through this experience. Oh my gosh, it was so great. I, I've done Perth, I've done um, Batemans Bay, uh, I've done Melbourne, but this one. It, it was really special, Adelaide. That lady that you can see me talking to, she was 109 oh, wow. years old. Yeah. And she, I said to her, what, what's the secret? Mm. How have you done this for this long? She goes, good beer, good men. <laughs> and I was like, in that order. In that order. Beer, the, better. the better the men look. The better the men look. I was like, okay. But she was, she was amazing. But um, I met some of these people in the um, aged care facilities that had been Salvers ambassadors for years and years, and they were just really incredible to talk to. We went to these places. I played some games. Um, it was just amazing. I, I, I love to see the centres. I love to see what they do with the donations, mm. you know, and, and how much they do help. And these people that work for the Salvos, they they literally give their life to helping people. Yeah. And so whenever I leave these missions, I'm like, wow, good I need to for, be better. Good on you for getting so involved, you know, so oh, deeply thanks. involved. It's wonderful. Outside of the work you're doing with them, we also saw you back in the studio, right? Yes. New music yes. on the horizon, maybe? New music, yeah. I've, I've taken a bit of a break because I, I kind of wanted to write and get back into the creative zone. And um, I never want to put something out that I don't 100% believe in. Yeah, right. And even these trips, they really inspire me to write you know, new things and, and about things that I'm seeing as well. Mm. And apart from saving the world and your music, what else, is, <laughs> what else is happening? I mean, not much else. I've been to Perth. I finally got to go finally. home after, um, it was a year, I think a year and three months. And that's the longest I've ever not seen my family, yeah, right, right. which was, I know so many other people were dealing with that too. Um, and just the day before Carol's is when the whole like, Perth, like the lockdown mm. and everything happened, and so I was a bit of a mess. And um, so I got to go home, see my dad and my brothers, and that was really, really special. Good stuff. Hey, yeah. listen, lovely to see you. So uh, always nice good to, to see catch you guys. up. Yeah, thank you. And congratulations on the work you're doing with them as well. Thank really you. And give, 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 everybody. Yes. yes, <laughs> yes. Well, we're going to tell them how to donate to the Red Shield <laughs> Appeal, or if you need support from the Salvos, you can visit salvationarmy.org.au, or you can call one three Salvos. Well, no matter how old you are, we all grew up singing the same song. And while over the past 50 years it's looked a little different, play school remains a fixture for Australian kids growing up. Like all of us, Humpty, Jemima and the gang had a, a quiet 2020, but now they're hitting the road for a brand new tour and they want you to come along. And ah. one of play school's finest, Alex Paps, joins us now. Nice to see you again, Alex. You too. Thank uh, you for thank you for having me. You're good, mate. Mm. You've brought some friends along. I Introduce have. us or I have. Well, uh, Humpty, of course, uh, Little Ted, and Kaya, who is a relatively new member to the cast. But um, yeah, because I made the mistake. I just said Jemima earlier. Well, and, uh, I know. Went, she, it's been and a while. She since managed I... to veil her, you know, <laughs> horror, horror, bit, horror at that mistake. Yeah. She's Beautiful. <laughs> Gee, Humpty's ageing well, isn't he? Uh, look, look, at he that, is. look, what a wrinkle on that smooth shell. He is. It's 55 years this year and he's um, looking better th looking better than a lot of us, quite frankly. Ageless. Yeah. <laughs> Ageless. Uh, you've been on the screen now for three decades. In terms of uh, co-stars, these guys look pretty easy to get along with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Look, they were a little daunting to, to work with when I first joined the show, like because you're, you're meeting uh, your childhood 
icons. They're mm. legends. So it was, um, it was quite a, an overwhelming moment to meet them for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So 15 years, Alex, you've been with the show. Yeah, yeah, 15 wow. years. Mm. How's it changed in that time? Or has it? Or is uh, part of the appeal that well, it look, hasn't? Yeah, look, I think, thankfully, uh, I think a big part of the appeal is that Play School has remained a, a constant in terms of the, the values that it represents and uh, displaying, you know, cooperative behaviour and themes around inclusion and, and tolerance. Um, it moves with the times in terms of style, I think, but I'm, I'm grateful that um, the powers that be are smart enough to know that, mm. you know, 55 years, it's, it's lasted that long for a reason. Yeah. I think because p people appreciate the fact that it's um, it's lack of bells and whistles. Uh, it's yeah. that, that's you know that it's that's a fact for a reason, uh, and it's still about exploring you know the simple act of play, accepting who you are, accepting others, mm. and that you don't need to buy a whole lot of um, stuff. Yeah. To you know. Isn't it funny? It's not till we grow up and we look back and go, that was very powerful messaging. And it still is today. Mm. You know, it's mm. great stuff. Uh, now, you're taking your co-stars on a national tour. It is called Let's Play Together. Uh, gee, everyone would be so excited to see you guys out on the road now. Yeah, we've just completed the, um, the Melbourne Victoria tour and regional Victoria. Yes, it was absolutely palpable. Uh, people were thrilled to be back out, uh, you know, in an audience situation. Um, with slightly limited capacity in some areas, but mm. we were thrilled to be back on stage, having been shut down yeah, back yeah. in March last year. Um, but yeah, look, it's a great privilege of the job to to be able to go out and, and meet the audiences and, and see how, I mean, Play School is a beloved institution. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When you're live on stage, as opposed to the TV show, so when you're live on mm -hmm. stage, things, I guess, go wrong. Is, it, is that when the parents sometimes get to have a bit of a laugh? Yeah, yeah. look, I think that's, that's a, another part of the appeal of the show, is that there's a twinkle in the eye that's often for the adult audience, mm. uh, and certainly with the live show, things go wrong occasionally, and the kids certainly get a kick out of it, but, I mean, we all know as audience members, when we're when we're in on the joke, when something goes wrong, yeah. that's delicious. That's a big part of why the theatre is such a lovely communal uh, yeah. experience. Yeah. We should have more things go wrong on this show. It sounds like such fun. <laughs> oh, we, uh, oh, we do, we do oh, all right. Before the classroom, we knew you, of course, from home and away up at the bay. Mm. Uh, check this out. This is fantastic. Oh, dear. Here we go. You, uh, look at this. Oh, you know you've made it when you're on a trading card, right? Number 19 in the collection. <laughs> I probably was 19 too. <laughs> look at that look. hair. Look. Lots of mullet. You know, mullets are big. That's they're big at the moment. Mullets. Yeah. Mm. Did we even know it was called a mullet back then? I don't know. No, it was yeah. styling then. It was just great. <laughs> you've, been, you've been vocal in the past about wanting to explore a return to acting. Where are you at with that? Um, well, I've been doing a little bit lately. Yeah. Um, I f did a guest role on ABC's Fisk with Kitty Flanagan, um, oh, Marty Sheargold, and yeah. Julie Zamira. That was that's just gone to air. Mm -hmm. And I've got a role coming up in um, Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries. Um, which is, I think, coming up in June. Yeah. Terrific. Mm. Good yeah. stuff. For ticket details on Play School, Let's Play Together, National Concert Tour, head to themorningshow.com.au. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, 
We're trying to explain cryptocurrency to each other. <laughs> Ethereum, Ripple, Tether, and of course, Bitcoin. You may have heard of the term cryptocurrency, but for most of us, that's where the extent of our knowledge ends. <laughs> even, Tes even Tesla mastermind Elon Musk, who's a big crypto cheerleader, had trouble explaining the concept to his Saturday Night Live co-host. Have a look. Uh, my question is, what is Dogecoin? I'm <laughs> <laughs> glad you asked. It's a good question. Well, it's the future of currency. It's an unstoppable financial vehicle that's going to take over the world. I, I get that, but uh, what is it, man? <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling you, it's a cryptocurrency you can trade for conventional money. Oh, so it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. Why did you say that, man? Hustle, <laughs> everybody. It's a hustle. So today we are taking the confusion out of cryptocurrency, weighing up the risks versus rewards and finding out why so many people are splashing their cash on digital money. Okay, we welcome Seven Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton. Hello, Gemma. Hello. Turns out if you're old enough to get your AstraZeneca shot, then you don't understand. You're too old to understand this. Can we, can we play catch up here? What is cryptocurrency? How does it work? Well, cryptocurrency just means digital currency. So if you have an Aussie dollar, you can make an online banking transaction, but you can also hold an Aussie dollar in your hand. With cryptocurrencies, they're only online. So there's no physical version of them. And there are lots of different ones that are purely online only cryptocurrencies. So you have to buy and sell them like shares, basically. Yeah, you sort of go exactly. And buy them. That's right. Is it too late? Have we missed the boat? People who got onto Bitcoin three years ago, they're doing okay, but for if you're a latecomer to it, the, the ship has sailed. When you look at the share price of Bitcoin, it is like a roller coaster. So if you got on a couple of years ago, you might have actually bought at a peak and then it fell down a lot. And so you would have had a couple of really bad years where the price was really very, very low. But it picked up again. About six months ago, it really, really picked up. So it does depend where you buy in the cycle if you do want mm. to buy it. Uh, but it's moving up. And at the moment, it's actually going on a bit of a downtrend, so falling again. Just to put that into terms that we understand, if you put in $100 last November, you bought $100 worth of Bitcoin last November, by April, that would have gone up to about $320. Oh, that so, sounds good. I love that. But it, since then, it's fallen down to about 215 So... Great if you bought last November, but if you bought in April a month ago, you would have lost about a third of your money. Okay, so a lot of people will be telling the same story about their shares, right? It's the same sort of concept, but unlike investing in the stock market, the value of cryptos are purely determined by how many people are putting money in versus taking out. There are no dividends or other returns. Some have described this as a bit of a sort of gambling or even a Ponzi scheme. Are they fair criticisms, would you say? Well, Larry, you're actually not buying anything real. When you buy, just say you buy shares in Telstra, you're buying a company that makes profits and so you expect to get a dividend out of that. So you know what you're buying and you can judge how well it's going to do. Yeah. And usually the share price moves in accordance with how well Telstra's profits are going. If you put your money into a savings account, you get an interest rate back. If you buy a piece of gold, you have a piece of gold to hold in your hand. With this, you're not getting anything. There's nothing which can really determine fundamental value. So what you're buying is you're buying on the assumption that other people are going to come in later and buy it from you for a higher price. So is it easy to ca so you're going to make the profit maybe or make a loss, but you've got to cash out. At some point, you have to cash out so yes. if you want to get your profit. That's right. Uh, is that easy to do? If for Bitcoin, it's easier. There are so many cryptocurrencies. Mm. There are mm. thousands and thousands of you, I, Larry, anyone could start a cryptocurrency tomorrow if we wanted to. Oh, good. The morning show. I like that. <laughs> what, what, morning, morning show coin. <laughs> 
but uh, that doesn't mean anyone's actually going to buy it. Bitcoin is the one that most people buy, and that's the one that's easier to cash in and cash out of. So yes, if you wanted to sell or buy Bitcoin on any given day, you could. If you go for one that's much less well-known and much less popular and much more risky, then it's going to be more difficult to cash in and cash out. Kylie's nuggets, we'd call it. Um, Josh Frydenberg, what does he think of this? What, the, what does the tax department think of it? Well, the tax department, it does get taxed, so it gets taxed like a, a normal asset that has a capital gains tax, so you, you don't get any exemptions there. Generally speaking, regulation in Australia when it comes to cryptocurrencies, as in most, most of the rest of the world, needs some to catch up a bit. It's still quite loosely regulated, yeah. which is a problem for people who, who buy into it, because if something does go wrong, there's less protections than if you're buying something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It loosely regulated. Mm. Sounds so, a bit... For instance, yeah. if you put your money into a bank account, you know that it's protected up to a quarter of a million dollars. So if the bank collapses, you will get money from the government guaranteed. There's no such promises when it comes to cryptocurrencies. And if they change the rules overnight, then that changes everything about the equation, doesn't it? It does. And the so, tax rules. But many people who, who work in Bitcoin actually want to see more regulation because they want to, it to have more legitimacy and they want it to be better mm. regulated to make people more confident to step in. So there are two sides to that. Uh, you've got a tips page here for us. Before <laughs> investing money, please remember this. And, and here's our tips page. Let's have a look. I think the most important thing to remember is it's very volatile. The price goes up enormously, it goes down enormously. And so never put in, if you're tempted to go in, more than you can afford. And this is a really small part. Even people who work in Bitcoin and sell Bitcoin for a living, they recommend people don't put more than 1% of their mm. overall wealth into it. Mm. So don't swing big, tempting as it is, to see these huge price rises and think you want to jump on board. Just start very gently yeah. if you do want to start. And th but this is the future of it, because a lot of teenagers are, are doing this. My boys have bought some very small but they were watching saturday night live and watching elon musk the other night to see what was going to happen to their doge coin or something being advised by one of their schoolmates on the phone so like everyone's <laughs> if teenagers are doing it seems like it could be the future well so I, I i think i can understand why people want to take a small bet i think that's that's a reasonably safe way to start money mm. that you can afford to let to go lose. of mm. like gambling, uh, right. it's, it is it is like gambling yeah and okay. you need to be prepared that if you desperately need the money out tomorrow. Yes. It might be a period where Bitcoin's price has fallen off a cliff and so you can't necessarily get the price Yes, there's back. $60 was at risk. That's there you go. There you it's go. all a risk unless uh, Kylie's Nuggets, which is the new <laughs> cryptocurrency we're pushing here on I think the morning show. Six easy repayments for you folks. Uh, Gemma, thank you very much. We'll talk to you Yours soon. would be worth more. If I bought them from yeah. you? No, no, Larry's nuggets would, would have a higher... Yeah, but it doesn't sound right, yeah. does it? Yeah, you've got to cash them in. Yeah, yes. yeah. it just still doesn't sound right. <laughs> and no tax on Larry's nuggets either. <laughs> Well, Matt Preston is the fashionable foodie turned TV favourite, writing and cooking his way to the top for the past 25 years. Yeah, well, he's an absolute whiz in the kitchen. This month, Matt is taking it to the streets, urging people to get out and support their favourite restaurants and sharing how you can taste some gourmet dishes for free. Oh, we love the sound of that. Matt Preston joins us live from Melbourne. Great to see you, Matt. Larry, Kylie, lovely to see you too. Pity I can't be there face to face, but, but the line will have to do for now. It will have to do. It's getting cold out there. What, what are you cooking oh. at home? What, what's, what's warming look, up your kitchen? Look, I, I, think, I think the number one thing to cook right now is a self-sourcing chocolate pudding. Um, it's, a, it's a retro recipe, um, but there's something beautiful about, you know, you pour all this sludgy stuff into a, into a baking dish, you put it in the oven, and the magic of the heat and time, you pull out a dish that's all soft, spongy chocolate cake at the bottom, and underneath, lots of rich 
chocolate sauce that oh, goes over the top. Stop. A bit of ice cream, but I think that, that, that's the sort of carb-loaded frenzy that we need at this time of year. <laughs> you're, you're the only man who can make sludgy stuff sound great. Mm. Now, we all know you're a great cook, we all know that for sure, but you recently put your own son to the test to see if he could cook, uh, you know, a cheesecake, right? How did he go? Yeah, no, he did, he did really well, I think. I mean, in fact, in fact, I sent I sent the cheesecake he cooked and a cheesecake that Gary had also cooked, the same, this burnt bass cheesecake that's very trendy at the moment. It's got a little bit bitter on the outside. It's super creamy in the middle. I sent pictures to both, um, of both to like, probably the, the, the best cheesecake, bass cheesecake expert in Melbourne, and she declared that, that, that Jonathan, my son's, was as good as Gary's. So he was very <laughs> proud about that. But it was weird. I mean, I mean, my son had never used an oven before. He'd never baked before. He's, he's okay. He can, you know, fry stuff and steam dumplings. But he, I think he did a pretty good job. It was a bit, bit nerve-wracking because you sit there going, if my recipe is no good, this will be a disaster. It'll be, all be my fault. But, um, but it, it worked out well. And they're, they're the cheesecakes actually in... This cheesecake comes from a place called Lavina in, in San Sebastian. It's, uh, it, it's the only place... San Sebastian is the only place in the world where you have to eat... You have to eat dessert first, because oh. you don't. By the time you come back, everyone's eating it. Oh, it looks amazing. Hey, we, we know you as a food writer, of course. Hey, just to take a bit of a left turn here, what some people might not actually realise, did you start out in music? Like, you organised Nirvana's first ever concert in the UK? I, I did. I worked I work with a wonderful guy called Dave McLean, who brought Nirvana in. He's, he's got a movie out at the moment about his early life called Schemers, and, and I helped him put on Nirvana's first show. They were third on the bill to Tad and Mudhoney in London. So I did a lot of concerts with him and another guy called Stuart Lowe. Um, I also DJed. I mean, music really, bizarrely, is probably my, my real love. I, I get, I get overexcited about a, a great single in the way I probably do don't get overexcited about a great cheesecake. Coincidentally, Damien Leith's daughter, Kiki's looking for a really good manager because he's ripping her off blind. <laughs> well, uh, well, look, look, look I, that, that's absolutely fine. Uh, tell, tell, tell her to give my people a ring and we'll... I'll, I'll only want 5%, not, not the 15 or 20, okay. Larry, that you'll charge. Good, good. I was going 30. Uh, you're a huge supporter of the American Express Delicious Month Out. This is a great idea. Uh, and this May, there's been all sorts of food events right across the East Coast. Now, for those not close to a, a big city, how can you participate virtually? Well, look, virtually the best thing is on Tuesday night, Nino Dicali, who's the absolute master of pasta in Sydney at Pindolino Restaurant, is doing a free pasta masterclass online. So head to the Delicious website um, to find out how you get involved in that. And, 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 if, and again, if in terms of other free events, um, there are, there are 18,000 different participating businesses taking part in the Amex the Delicious Month Out. The plan really is to, we started out in Sydney two years ago. With the, with the pandemic, it seemed more important to do it because businesses have really struggled. We just really want to encourage people to get out and to support their favourite local places this year in those three cities and then moving forward, hopefully all around Australia. Great. It's such a great initiative. Delicious, uh, the Delicious Month Out, yes? That's what it's called. Amazing stuff. Always great to catch up with you, Matt. Carly, it's a pleasure. Larry, not so much <laughs> no. a pleasure, but still good. No, no I, I get that a lot. Thank you, Matt. Good yeah, to chat. All right, mate. We'll Love see you, you soon. Thanks a lot. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
it's kind of one of those unfortunate times mm. now where we have to remind ourselves of our age, right? Because it's impossible to believe that this song was released 30 years ago today. So good. <laughs> when it comes to dominating a decade, Melissa Couts had it in spades. From the top of the charts with Read My Lips to starring on the hit series E Street. Now, three decades on from that song that kick-started a career, she is still doing what she loves with more new music coming soon. Oh, that sounds exciting. Melissa Couts joins us live. Hello. 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 I look at those clips and I see my daughter now. My, isn't it funny? Oh, like, really? It's so long ago, yeah. yeah. Wow. Three decades. Does I it, know. Does it seem... But I'm just going to pretend today is my 30th birthday It's and that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. I think that's the way to go. That's Why the way not? you should roll with it. Absolutely. I feel 30. Does, does that matter? <laughs> you mentioned that you can see your daughter in that. I can. can. Your daughter in the look, East Street. Yeah. Can your daughter look at that and go, Mum, that looks a bit like me? Maybe. I don't know whether she's actually ever seen me on East Street, whether she's seen that footage of me on East Street. But she's seen Read My Lips, right? Oh, yeah. She'd know she's all the words. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, the song was such a success, it knocked off the Grease Mega Mix from the top of the, <gasps> the charts. That was huge in the day. That's yeah. no mean feat to knock <laughs> off yeah. a Grease Mega Mix. I know. It was, it was a bit of a shock. It was big. Everyone, I think everybody was shocked that that song did so well. Do you well. remember the moment? I do remember the moment. I was sitting in the car um, and I was about to go into work for East Street and we had the radio on and I was there. I didn't even know how to drive yet, so my mother had to drive me to work. And um, and it said on the radio, oh, read my lips, just went number one. And we were just like, what? <gasps> what? What happened? Oh. Like, we couldn't believe it. Wow. Yeah, so that's, wow. that's how I found out. Did Mum stay on the road? Did she? Thank God she was parked. But, um, yeah, it was only meant to be part of a dream sequence on uh, East Street. And then it got released and it just went crazy. We hear you've been working with some producers in the UK yes, to release some yes, more Yes, which is very interesting, uh, you know, with COVID Quite happening, right. trying to do a Zoom chat saying, yeah, like I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to co-produce via Zoom, which is very, very difficult to do. But um, we have managed to um, record a single and hopefully do some more music now this year. So that will be out shortly, we hope. Okay. Now, uh, you were part of Real Housewives of Sydney, of course, the reality mm -hmm. show. It was, it was so over the top, this thing. So over way, the top. Way, way, way over yeah. the top. Yeah, and you know me, Larry. That was way over the top for way even me, the right? Top. Way over the top. But we love it. We love it. <laughs> do you think this will ever come back, this thing? Um, I think they will do another season uh, in Melbourne, is what I've heard. Because they're I way, don't... way over the topper. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know about the Sydney leg. I think it's done now. I think if they were going to... Well, see, we got hit with COVID anyway, but yeah. um, I don't know, actually, whether they'd do another one in Sydney. Mm. I really don't know. As far as I know, we haven't heard anything, so... Okay. Well, we may not see you on the screen in Real Housewives, but you, you've got this horror film coming out... I know, yes. ...called The Possessed, yes. which could actually still describe the housewives to, to some extent, <laughs> if we're... <laughs> This is this true. Is a, this is something different. This is true. This has got Link Lewis in it and John yep. Jarrett. Yes, there's Simone Buchanan, mm. uh, Angie Kant. There's some amazing, amazing talent in this film. And uh, Chris Sun, who did Bore. It was lovely to work with him again. I I'm going to put it out there. I feel as though this was one of the best roles that I've ever done. Um, it's not a massive role, but um, the, the character in the scene that I had to do was, for me, the most challenging thing I've, I've ever experienced. It was incredible. What, what did you have to do? Yeah, sorry, what did you have to do? I can't tell you. I know. I ran up my mind like, am I allowed to tell them about my character and everything? It's like, nope, nope, nope. So we'll just have to wait and see. But Ooh, it'll be out okay. soon. Uh, you love your scary roles. 
I do. What is it with you in scary films? You know what's so funny? I can't watch a horror film. Like, it terrifies me, but I, I don't know. I guess it's something different. You know, I've always played the girl next door, I've played the, the girlfriend, or, um, and I think this role and with Bore as well, it's just something different, you know, it's something different. Will you let the kids watch this one? No. <laughs> they didn't watch Bore either. They watched some of the scenes when I was in the pub and stuff, but, yeah, yeah no, they'll have nightmares. Like, Lisa, I, it's been so good seeing you. It's brought yeah, back so many memories, and especially for Larry. I know. Because oh, he posted this uh, that last photo. night. What, where did we, where, what event where, was this that? This was at the, uh, the opening of um, the, the Tom Cruise movie, Far and Away. That's right. Back in Paddington. Sorry, were you, about... were you on a date here? No. Oh, look, well, someone, someone would call it a date. Uh, I'd call people... it a photo opportunity club. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, you know, people talked about us after that, Larry. They Remember? did. Yeah. Mainly, yeah, mainly I me. Know. Mainly me. <laughs> uh, hey, lovely to see you again. Thanks for coming so in. So good to see so you guys. Much. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, November 26, 2006, at the Sydney Opera House, and a lad from Dublin, Ireland, with a chemistry degree of all things, hijacked Australian Idol to be crowned the winner of the hit reality show. Damien Lee! Flash forward 15 years and Damien Leaf's impressive and creatively varied resume is now being overshadowed by his very own gorgeous daughter, 10-year-old Kiki, debuted a song she wrote on Damien's radio show just last week. Have a listen. Called Damien's here, but his superstar daughter Kiki joins us. Hello, hey. hello, Lee. How are you? Good, thanks. Kiki, that's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, just gorgeous. And how proud are you, Dad? Oh my goodness, <laughs> me. When when it got played on the radio, we we didn't intend on doing it. it wasn't a, it wasn't a plan, and uh, got played, and I. I I definitely felt emotional. I have to be totally honest with you. I just went, oh, oh my goodness. I'll bet. How uh, have you been writing songs for? Um, well, when I was younger. There's like a lot of videos of me just coming in saying, Kiki Bo Leith now announcing, and then just me singing random <laughs> stuff. That's great. Yeah, no, it's called Love Me. What, what's it about? I wrote it for my um, baby cousin Jake, who wasn't born yet, but he was about to be born. And then um, we just recorded it, and it sounded really nice. Oh, are I you part that. of this process? Are you, are you the nasty judge? Or are you, who are you in this process? Oh, I'm the good judge. Oh, all the way, 100%. No, it's amazing. Like, we found with Kiki and the two boys as well, they're, they're just into music. They really like it. And, uh, and I try not to force it down their mouths or anything like that. There's none of that. It's just um, if they want to do it, I'll work with them on it. And if they don't, well, then that's fine as well. Mm. But, but Kiki and, and, and the two boys have really just got behind us, especially Kiki here. She just loves doing it. Um, so, yeah, so I helped her record the song and we put some strings on it and, and off it went. Beautiful. Now, you've got the guitar here, so are you going to give us a little snippet now? Oh, geez, Is that, live, do, you, yeah. do you think you might be up to a, yeah. live, a live acoustic performance? Yeah. Wow, you, wow you're so accomplished. Mm -hmm. We'll hand you over to Dad to count you in or whatever it has mm. to be done. Take it away. Love me and I'll love you too. Oh, love me. There's nothing we can do. Hold me and say you never leave. Cause I've been searching for someone just like you. 
next to you. We know just what to say. Words to sound like love me, and I love you too. Oh, love me. There's I'm not gonna stop. We <laughs> we're, we're, we're hearing the whole song, by the way. Does Doug join you in any of it? Um, or not? He helps me with the ba ba ba. Yeah, he does. A There's a little of chant that. in the middle, yeah. and yeah, it kind of gives it that. Absolutely beautiful. When we were watching Dad's clips when we started the interview, you sat there staring at the TV screen, <laughs> watching Dad. Your eyes were wide open, your mouth was open. You're so proud of him. <laughs> seeing back when he first started out here, when we first met him here in Australia, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. haven't changed a bit, can I say, Daniel? Oh, you you I, don't look 15 years older at all. I, I, I filled out Does the it? trousers a lot more, I noticed. I, 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 there's one clip there where you can see the trousers are a bit baggy on the behind. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely filled out there. Jeez. And um, you, you're really busy too, Damien, because you're still doing gigging and your music's a huge part of what you're doing, but you're also on radio these days. Yeah, yeah, look, I do a radio show at Wave FM down in Wollongong uh, with Sammy Lucas and, and Straining. We have a great time. It's a lot of fun doing that. But the shows are back. COVID is, it's not gone, far from it, but, uh, but it's lifted enough to allow us to do some shows and, uh, and I'm loving it. We're, I'll, I'll, I'll work around the clock. You're in the middle up. of a tour now, right? So where, where will we find you? Where are you headed next? I'm off to Perth in about uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all, all over the country. So uh, I'm off to Perth this weekend and then beyond that, all the dates are on the website. But it's, uh, I've got about 30 shows coming up over the next couple oh, of months. Cool. Yeah, so lots, lots of shows, lots of radio, lots of family time. Yeah, it's, and before you know it, Kiki will be joining you on the tour bus. Mm. There you go, darling. You'll be back, back up singing. I, I can't win. I won't have to pay her or anything. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's oh, yes. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, is there rules on that? I don't yeah. know what the rules are on that whole Kiki, thing. Kiki, you come and talk to Uncle Larry about how much <laughs> yeah. you can earn yeah. doing that. He'll look after you. Probably Bye. triple what he's paying you now. Triple of zero is zero. Oh, sorry. Gorgeous. For all of Damien Lee's tour dates, just head to themorningshow.com.au. Just last week, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg delivered the 21-22 federal budget. And while around 10 million low to middle income earners retained a tax offset, the potential $1,080 buffer is only set to last until the next financial year, meaning some Aussies will be financially worse off. So how can you future-proof your funds and what are some of the surprising things you can write off on your tax return? We've got the tips you need to know in time for the end of the financial year as it looms. For more, we're joined by the Tax Institute General Manager of Tax Policy, Scott Triot. Hi, Scott. Morning. Hello, Okay, bro. so talk about this uh, tax offset, the extension of it for low- and middle-income earners. What do people need to do to get this? Well, that's the beauty of it. You don't actually have to do, uh, do a lot other than lodge your tax return. So once you lodge your tax return, if you're eligible, then you'll get the credit through your tax return uh, and, and that will apply that way. So for a lot, it'll actually give an incentive to lodge you know, pretty soon after year end. And it's about 1080 bucks. 1080 bucks for an individual, so you can double that for a family. Yeah, okay. good. When the tax offset comes to an end, what should low to middle income earners be, be thinking about uh, and how would you go about saving money? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you raised the issue in the, in, in the beginning. This applies for both 30 June 2021 as well as 30 June 2022. So we're, we're dealing with a planning matter for July 2022 and beyond, right? So, you know, from, from that perspective, family budgets are tight at the best of times. Mm. Uh, there's no further tax cuts coming through at that point of time. Um, but, 
you know, families are still going to be expected to find ten to twenty dollars per week out of their out of their existing budgets, and that's going to be a tough ask. Mm. Now, I understand the government's position on a lot of these issues. I understand the rhetoric here, but you know, ultimately, the government's not looking at this from a family budget perspective. So, I'm just hoping the government learns a lesson here that you know, real tax reform doesn't actually come from temporary measures. Okay, so along with the budget came some new rules yeah. around taxation. Yeah. What are the important? I'm sure there's lots of new rules. Let's mm. talk about some of the, the more important yeah, ones, let the me easier pick, ones to understand. Well, let please. me pick a couple. Yeah. So the, obviously the childcare subsidy. You know, that one, you've got two kids under five in childcare, there's a benefit for the second child. I'm still asking a lot of questions on that one mm -hmm. uh, because once a kid goes to school, right, you've, you might have one left back in childcare, you're not actually mm -hmm. going to get the benefit. Now, I'm, I've got five kids. I sit there and I look at it and go, we're not even getting a benefit out of this. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense that you, that type of stuff can, can still arise. Yeah. Um, there's the superannuation measures. Out of that, there's a full 50 thresholds disappearing. That's great for low-income earners. But for, you know, businesses, there will be, will be an extra cost. Mm. Then there's a 250 uh, threshold for non-deductible expenses on self-education. That's disappearing, which is about time. Uh, but a lot of these measures will only actually kick in from 1 July 2022. Okay, end of financial year just around the corner. What are some of the surprising things that uh, people can claim? Yeah, absolutely. The key here, though, is the connection to your assessable income, right? You've got to have the substantiation, you've got to have the records, you've got to prove that it's connected to your income. Yeah. Things such as sunscreen, hats, you know, sunglasses, sure, I get that, but you've got to be working outside. Handbags? Yeah. Handbags. yeah, this is the one that sparked <laughs> my interest. Stop the show. <laughs> Wait. Okay, you need to explain handbags. Well, look, again, it's got to be connected to your income. So if you're required to carry, like, your laptop or things and you've got something especially designed for that purpose, and it could be fashionable, sure, but its purpose is for helping you carry Earn that equipment. Income. It helps you earn your income. So long as there's that nexus to your income, then you've got to have the substantiation and prove that you can get the deduction. What if we are in a professional partnership relationship, which we are, and we're going out to work, and I ask Kylie to mind my makeup and Vicks Vaporub, for instance, in that handbag? That makes it a tax deduction for her because she's carrying it for me. No? Well, you've got to be careful because if, you, if you've got other purposes, well, then there's a she's private purpose. <laughs> what are some of the but things? But that's the thing, right? It, the, the tax office keeps a close eye on this. Right, they do keep a close eye on this, and, and matters do end up in court. So you've got to have the substantiation and speak to your advisor. Well, if they're it's watching like... Kylie's Instagram, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the things that people can buy now so they can make the claim before June 30? Yeah, yeah look, it, it's the same issue, though. It's got to have the connection to income. So individuals might be able to buy stuff now that you can get deductions over time. Businesses might be able to get your instant asset right off up front. In employees might be able to talk to their employers as well if they do salary sacrifice arrangements, mm. but I, I will say not everyone actually has that. A big one during the pandemic, plenty of people working from home. They're talking about mm. electricity expenses, phone, um, internet costs, all of that, uh, equipment, cleaning, uh, furniture. There's got to be limits here, right? This is very confusing for the last year. Look, there's three, there's three rules. Again, issue is, is your substantiation. Uh, the tax office has given you an 80 cent per hour shortcut method this year. Now, that covers everything you've just mentioned, right? You don't have to have a designated work area, but you've got to keep issues, or keep evidence around timesheets, working from home, how many hours did you actually work from home, etc. So you're saying if I work from home during the pandemic, I'm allowed to claim 80 cents an per hour, hour yep. for every day time. that you worked from home. Right. So again, That's from 1 March 2020 through mm -hmm. to 
30th of June 2021. It's fairly reasonable. I think the tax office has been quite reasonable, but there is another method of keeping your actual receipts and being able to then evidence, well, actually, these were my costs and these were the, the, you know, the hours I worked from home, here's a work area. But again, you've got to be careful of the private and domestic Yeah, they'll be watching very closely, right? Yeah, and look, during the pandemic too, you've got to be careful of things which are your ordinary things from working from home. So tea, coffee, you know, you'd be <laughs> yeah, careful yeah, of yeah. And look, toilet paper, just be really careful of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be hard for them to prove that, right? Um, okay, thank you. Lovely to talk to you. Just confirming, if Kylie's taking cash for me to Panama in her bag, in is my her bag, bag. I think you might get a different question from the tax yeah, office. Probably. Oh, he's used, he's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. used to that. He's used to that. <laughs> Good to see you. Thank, thank you. you so much, Kipa. All right. And that's it for this instalment of the Morning Show podcast. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to subscribe to be notified when new episodes become available. Tune in to the Morning Show weekdays with myself and Larry Emder after sunrise on Channel 7. Bye for now.